Hello, welcome to the Oswald Gamer. I'm your host, Rob. This is day two, and we're going to be looking through all of the cultist units for the Slaves to Darkness book, and also some of the characters that were missing, like the Dark Oath War Queen. I'm really hoping she's going to be fantastic. I imagine she's like a blender character. Looking forward to that. All of the cultists, how you can use cultists in the book, the endless spells, all of those things. Let's dive into it. I'm very excited. Before we get into looking at the cultists, we need to look at a couple of different things that are going to apply to all of the cultists. Number one, they initially come as undivided, so no marks. Boo. However, there's a command trait that can change that. So as I talk about all these, I'm going to be keep referencing these couple of things that you're going to be able to do. The Idolater Lord command trait is pretty amazing. The general becomes a priest. Great start. And then whatever mark they have, so if you give them the mark of corn, for instance, they're a corn priest, and that means that all of the cultist units in your army can become that mark. You can't give them other marks, they have to become the one that your general becomes. This is really cool, though, because this means that you can do so much stuff with your cultist units, and there's such a variety. It's basically a whole other book. So you've got Iron Golems and Split, split and Fang for damage, and Iron Golems for holding on objectives. It's going to be very interesting. So... You've got a very cool um, uh, command trait here, which can basically just build you a whole new different army that you can't build before. So this command trait, you've got the, your very classic Slaves of Darkness stuff where you've got your Chaos Warriors, your Chosen, your Varen Guard, um, and your Knights. All of those are going to be in Host of the Ever Chosen with rallies, and they've got the banners and all these other things apply. This command trait basically opens up the whole book for a completely different playstyle where you use loads of cultists and you do loads of other things. So absolutely brilliant. The Idolater Lord command trait. They also become a priest, so they're going to have access to curse and a bunch of other stuff. Really like that. The other thing to talk about before we kind of move on and look at the units is we need to talk about the Ravager subfaction. So the Ravager subfaction allows you to do a heroic action. And you can do that in each turn, your opponent's turn, and your turn. And then it's called Rally the Tribes. You pick a um, a destroyed Chaos Marauder, Chaos Marauder Horseman, or Cultist unit. That's what we're going to talk about today. Or a Dark Oath unit, Cultist, cultist unit. And then you set up a new replacement unit. So it's a replaced unit. So nothing will has counted of slain. That's important. Um, half the number of models in that unit that were destroyed rounding up. So if it's a unit of 20, it becomes a unit of 10. Then... Uh, you set them up wholly within 12 inches of that hero, 9 inches away from the enemy. So I've got unit 30, 15. Unit 20, 10. And I can do that in my hero phase and uh, my hero phase and your hero phase, as long as I've got a hero. I won't be able to do other heroic actions, but I'll be able to keep doing that. Although there is something that you can do where you have another like heroic action, but we won't talk about that right now. So yeah, Ravages is going to be really important, specifically, I think when we talk about all of these cultist units. So you can give them a mark with the command trait. You can recycle them here with Ravagers as a sub-faction. Very, very exciting. The last thing to talk about maybe before we go and look at the units is don't forget, if you take Big Popper Archeon, he's got Strike on Death. Some units in the book, like Varangard and Chosen, they always get to fight uh, once per battle again. So they kind of... They can benefit from it because you can have Varangard, you can fight again with Varangard, and then on another turn, give them uh, fight on death, which is quite useful. So then you, maybe they'll get two fights again. This feels like it's pretty good on a unit that's going to fight and then die and then fight again, and then you're going to recycle it. So it's it's got loads and loads of uh, options. Basically, this is a second book. It's almost just that command trait and just this sub-faction is almost enough to consider it a separate and new army, which is exciting for safe to players.
Okay, so the first war scroll we're going to look at is the Splintered Fang. Now, when we're talking about cultists, everything that we've said previously about cultists is going to come into effect here. So you're going to be able to recycle this unit and do a load of other stuff. Splintered Fang are 100 points for 10 models. That's right. They've got a five-up armor save, and they got one wound each, and they move six. So there's been some really good conversations about the delivery method. How would you get this unit into combat? Move six in a charge. Now, you can't use a spell to make them uh, charge because that's mounted units only to, to give a 3d6 charge from 18 inches. If you use the prayer from uh, the Sinesh Chaos War Shrine prayer, then you are going to need to mark them with Sinesh. And if you do mark them with Sinesh, you really do solve their delivery issue. Movement six will also give them access to run and charge, plus one to charge and plus one to run. So you could have movement 13 and then with run and charge, uh, sorry, movement 13, then you can have charge from, eight, uh, from outside 18 inches on 3d6, which is very fast. 13 inches, uh, with it up to an 18-inch charge, is going to give them a 31-inch threat range, which is pretty good. I mean, you do got to roll boxcars on everything, but I think your average is something like 19-inch, a 19-inch threat range. Oh, no, plus one, 20 inches, right? Um, so that's if you give them the mark of Snash. However, if you want to make them even more fighty, give them the mark of Corn, give them plus attacks. Will they be a defensive unit? No, these are kind of a classic glass hammer unit. They are... Very fragile because they've got Bravery 6 and they've got 5-up armor save. So any shooting should put these in the dirt very quickly. But they do have a couple of nice bits. They've got the Snake Charmer, which is you can return one slain Serpent's model that, um, uh, to this unit in your hero phase for each Serpent Caller in the unit. You have a Serpent unit, you have one Serpent uh, Caller in... Uh, one in every 10. So if you have a unit of 30, you can have up to three of these. You have one True Blood uh, in every 10 models, and that he gets plus one attack. The tr Serpent Caller gets plus one attack. And the Serpents themselves have a Wounds characteristic of two. And I think there's one base of Serpents in the unit. So you can have um, 11 Wounds from this unit on, from 10 models on a five-up save. So they're fragile, weak to shooting, but... Um, are going to do some outrageous damage because they've got poison weapons, which are only an inch reach. They've got three attacks each, hitting on fours, wounding on twos with no rend. However, any sixes to hit will cause a mortal wound in addition. Uh, not in addition, sorry. And then the, it ends. So they'll cause a mortal wound and then it'll end. That means from 32 attacks from this unit, you should average roughly five mortal wounds, which is quite nice uh, from this unit. Now, of course, you're like, okay, Rob, but what the hell? Yeah. Well, of course, we already discussed the Idolater um, command trait. So this means you can give them a mark. So Mark of Snash, as we just discussed, Mark of Corn, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we've got 42 attacks. Yeah? There's loads of other ways to add those attacks on, and we'll do like a whole combo breakdown of the ways to build attacks into these units later. But you can have a lot of attacks with this unit. Also, don't forget, you can recycle these guys as well. So that's going to be really useful. I think it's a great unit. The chat don't agree with me. So if you're watching this on YouTube or listen to it as a podcast, the chat kind of think that we're... I'm on top. I think that they're outrageous. I'm at like... I, like I'm currently, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm running a fund. Uh, that my PayPal is thehonestwargame at gmail.com. We're trying to raise £100,000 so I can buy... By tomorrow, so that I can buy all of the Splinter and Fang in the world so they don't exist. Okay? But... You can help me out do that. No buts. Just help me out doing that. That would be great. I think these are great. That's all I'm going to say. I think they're crazy good. I'd love to know what you think. Tell me what you're saying. Okay, next up is the unit of Corvus Cabal. Uh, now, for the Corvus, 
They're 80 points. They're winged demon monster bird men marauders. Marauders. Demon bird marauders, basically. Uh, yeah, something like that. I need to stop being insane, basically. Anyway, they move six. They've got six up save. They're bravery six. They've got some ranged attack and some melee attack, but that doesn't really matter, in my opinion, because they have two abilities which are important and what you're paying the 80 points for. They've got the Denizens of Ulgu, which is basically you can set them up in Deep Strike. Okay, um, and then you can drop them down, but it has to be nine inches from all enemy units, which is what Deep Strike means. And then uh, any reserve units in the shadows that are not set up before the end of the fourth battle round must die. Uh, so you have to bring them on by turn three. So you can Deep Strike them. This already opens up loads of options, specifically in the current uh, battle pack at time of recording, which is the, um, the, the Galette battle pack. Then you can use them to score some very easy battle tactics, which are barge enemy lines, which is in your opponent's deployment, add their battle line, so they're going to get you a bonus point, and also desecrate their lands, which is to grab a piece of terrain. So they're incredibly useful for that. They're also good for just dropping in front of your opponent's army and stopping them being able to move. I mean, it's nine inches away, but you could really screen out your opponent's army for outrageously cheap price, which is cool. Drop them in the back of the board, try to assassinate some stuff at the back. Their profile's pretty weak, but they've got some great utility. 80 points for a set of bases that can deep strike is great. That's what you have to think about it. When when things are priced so cheaply, you're only paying for that and that alone. They've also got Death from Above, which is this unit is not visible to enemy units while it's in cover. In addition, if this unit attempts to charge while it's wholly on a terrain feature, it can fly when making a charge move in that phase. Okay, so again, you can deep strike them, hide them, and your opponent has to come and root them out. Might help with your grand strategies, might help with battle tactics. Those are why you're buying it. Like you're looking at your army list and you're thinking, do you know what? I want some first turn early mobility. I can do this. Yeah. Or late game, I want to get some battle tactics. This is what I'm going to do. And the Corvus Cabal are going to do it. They're wicked miniatures. All of the cultist miniatures are phenomenal. Wicked miniatures. It's cool stuff that they can do. It's part of an army plan. But yeah, good. Okay, next up, Iron Golems. An incredibly popular unit in the Slaves of Darkness roster. Up until the new book, it's 100 points for eight Iron Golems, but they do have an Ogre Breacher, and he's worth three wounds, so it's 11 wounds for 100 points across eight bases. Um, they've got a four-up save, uh, they've got a wound piece, other than obviously that Ogre, Bre Ogre Breacher. They only move five inches, and they're brave six. They've got a special rule called Iron Resilience. Uh, and this is, you add one to save rolls for attacks that target a unit if this unit has not made a normal move in the same turn. Now, a normal move is very specific. So a run move, i.e. moving plus a run, is actually a run move. And so you can run these guys and always have plus one to save. You can retreat and get plus one to save. You can, um, uh, yeah, you can retreat. Uh, like, so there you go. You can do a pile in, all sorts of stuff. So these guys are going to have permanent plus one save. And I'm just not not nailing it today, am I? I was, I was on fire yesterday, but not today. Uh, their weapon profile is fine. It's two attacks, fours and fours, no rend damage one. Uh, they've got like a bonus attack. So they're like, um, so they're like, okay, in my personal opinion. Uh, like a redeploy, sure. Uh, and uh, like that will do uh, for the plus one. So they're a three up armor save on 11 wounds for 100 points. This isn't bad, 
by any stretch of the imagination, we call these like objective campers. They just stand on objective and be tough to shift. But I don't know, like looking at the cultists, like we've looked at three already, right? We've seen like incredible output from the splint and fang and like movement utility uh, from the bird boys. So I feel like these are kind of okay, especially when we, we now have units in Slaves to Darkness that can hold objectives sensationally well. You could this These are 100 points that you spend could easily be pushed into going into some Chaos Warriors. But maybe you just take loads of these, have some fun, sit on objectives, be annoying, difficult to shift. Like at the end of the day, uh, 300 points of these is going to be uh, 33 wounds on a on a three up save. Nah, I would take warriors. I really do think I take warriors. But we'll see. Maybe what would you do? That's the real question. The Untamed Beasts, uh, a unit of nine models for a hundred, not hundred points, ninety points. That's a terrible way to start the recording. Uh, Untamed Beasts, ninety points. So nine models for ninety points. The Untamed Beasts. Untamed Beasts, very much like the rest of the cultish units, don't really have anything to say in the melee profile category. They got low bravery, six up save, they move six inches, right, and they got one wound apiece. So you're going to have, um, but the Rock Tusk Prowler, um, who's one of the nine models, is worth two wounds, so therefore it's going to be 10 wounds for those 90 points. But that's like by and by. Again, a lot of the cultist units you could just consider to be bases with utility. And that's because they've got the Unleash the Beast special rule. This unit can run and still charge in the same turn. However, in addition, after armies are set up, but before the first battle round begins, this unit can make a normal move. It cannot run. Interesting on the wording on that, it's old wording. Uh, so we really do think that, the, um, that this book was written ages ago, maybe even like close to two years ago in some ways, uh, because that really doesn't make sense with current core rules, but that's a by the by. The important part about uh, the Untamed Beast War Scroll is that it's got a pre-game move. Why is that important? Okay, well, if you think about deploying your army, you have two units of uh, Untamed Beasts. What they'll do is they'll move up six inches immediately. What this does is if your opponent tries to do a deep strike or anything like that, they're now going to be 15... Well, it's actually further than 15 inches away from your line because obviously the base size is going to come into effect. So it's more like 16 inches away, maybe 17 inches away from your lines so you can really zone them out. Also, if your opponent tries to like alpha strike you, which is charge, uh, if they've got a lower drop, then you can go first. Again, the best thing that they can do is hit your screens. And even if they get like a six inch pile in or a big charge, then they're still going to struggle to get over your screens and get into your good stuff. So really what they do is they create some uh, board presence and zone control for your Age of Sigmar army. And they're great. They're great allies into other armies. The pregame move thing is fantastic. Also, it was FAQ'd that pregame move units count as holding an objective. When you deploy in Age of Sigmar and you deploy onto an objective, you count as automatically holding it. So it's yours and your opponent has to come and take it off you. So even on the first turn, if they run across and they're like, I put a model on there, I claim it, you're like, no, 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 I, I already claim this, so you have to t get more than me. They also made this effect pre-game move units, so this is also going to work for Untamed Beasts, so you can move onto an objective, control it, and you can do it. And that's all uh, in uh, one of the recent FAQs. So Untamed Beasts, as good as they ever were, do the job that they did previously, fantastic unit, got some great utility and really useful inside the better, because if you get into a really combat-heavy game, Untamed Beasts will make it so that no one's going to come and hit you on the first turn. Huge fan. Really like it. Uh, let's okay, so the next unit is the super creepy, the unmade. Long necks, blades for hands, and according to some of uh, the people in the chat, the worst models to paint in the world. However, again, another great bit of toolbox tech for your Slaves to Darkness army. 
They've got a wound each. There are nine models, and they only cost 80 points. Okay. 80 points. They're bravery six, so sure, sure. They're not very brave, and they can run away. Okay, they move six inches, unless you're near a demon prince, which makes you immune to battle shock, but that's a side note. It doesn't matter right now. Okay, they've got two different like, characters in the unit. They've got the blissful one, which is one in every nine models, can be a blissful one, and they've got the nightmare sickles, which is six attacks, fours and threes, uh, rend one, damage one. And they've also got the joyous one, which is one in every nine models in the unit, must be a joyous one, and you can add one to the attacks characteristic of that model's uh, melee weapons. But the important part, very much like all these other cultist units, is their special ability, which is frozen in fear. Enemy units cannot receive redeploy and rally commands while they're within 12 inches of any friendly units with this ability. This is savage. No redeploy. Some people just build their list based on redeploy. Crazy. And it's just within, not wholly within. No rally. Stunning, especially because this unit doesn't want to be in a fight. This is like a buff piece that sits behind the opposing, like behind your army and just debuffs your opponent. And it's enemy units only. So the horror gas, which is then the spell that you have to cast, and it's going to affect your army as well. This, these are just 80 points and they affect a huge range. They stop redeploy, so you can't run away. They stop rally, absolutely stonks to the moons. I would also pick these up as well. So, so far, I'm picking up definitely Splinter Fang, Corvus Cabal, the Unmade, and Untamed Beasts. So, at four. So, only one that's currently missing right now is Iron Golems, and that's just because I think that there's a slightly better unit that does something better so far. Crazy cool stuff. Absolutely love it. Next unit is the Cypher Lords. More like the not units you're going to buy Lords. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> they're 80 points for eight models. They've got a six up save. They've got uh, one wound each. They move six inches and they're bravery six. So they're not going to survive uh, very well. Uh, they've got some throwing stars and chakrams and some exotic blades, but they're not uh, like, they're, like whatever. I mean, you know, you've got some attacks that are threes and fours, but it's, it's fine. Um, and they've got acrobatic leaps, which is when you pass across a unit with models in this unit, um, then they're going to take mortal wounds for every model in the unit, but it's on a six, so you're going to do very limited damage with that. And then you've also got the ability to make a unit within three inches on a four plus, minus one to hit using the Shattered Gloom. Yeah. So yeah, these are the the, the Difer Lords, Yeah, as in you don't want them. Um, I mean, maybe there's a build. Let me know in the comments if you think there's a build, but just... I'm not again. I'm not into these. These guys are out. These are not on my... These No. Okay, so next unit is the Horns of a Shut. Important to remember, they're actually false... Uh, like, they're false worshippers of a Shut. There's no long-legged worshippers of a Shut. That's important to remember. If you're not a dwarf... You can't worship a shut, so we don't know who these are, right? They're some sort of they're some sort of imposters, uh, which is good because they've been given like an imposter stat line. Uh, they've got a wound each. They've got a four up armor save, which is actually quite good. They've got um, uh, they're a hundred points for ten, and they move five inches. They've got uh, they're a unit of eight. Uh, oh no, they're a unit of ten. Sorry, they're a unit of ten. One of them gets access to a flame hurler. So they're like all the other cultist units. They have an alpha who can issue commands to the unit and is also plus one attack to its melee profiles. So I think you're going to get something like 19 attacks that are threes and fours, no rend damage one. It's fine. Um, and also when they charge in, you get to roll a dice for each model in this unit. So if you've got 10, you roll uh, 10 dice and then any sixes are going to cause a mortal wound. So if you did take 30, then you might, you might do like a few mortal wounds, I guess. And what is that? Five mortal wounds on the charge? Not bad. Um, 
Then they've got the Torrent of Flames, and they've got the Flame Hurler. So one in every 10. So if you did take 30, so 300 points, uh, then you would roll a number of attacks. It's a shooting attack of eight inches. You'd roll a number of attacks equal to the number of models in the target unit, but you can only have a maximum of eight, unfortunately. So if you did run, like, a full unit of 30, because they are battle line, you can reinforce them, then you could potentially have 24 attacks. Hitting on twos, wounding on threes. No rend, though, which is a bit unfortunate, but still a lot of attacks. So... They're not rubbish. Like, they're genuinely not rubbish. They're just okay. And then they don't really provide any utility, which every other unit in the book gets. So they don't make any of units stronger. They don't debuff the enemy unit. They just have some attacks. And for 300 points, you could definitely buy units that have better attacks. Uh, but yeah. Like, kind of interesting, but probably not for me. The next unit we're going to look at is the Tarantulas Brood. They come in a unit of 13, and they cost 100 points. They've got a 6-up save, one wound each, and they move 8 inches, and they have a bravery of 6. From that unit of 13, three of them must be Spider Swarms, who get their own special attack, which are 4 attacks, 5s and 3s. So you're going to get 12 attacks out of those. From the other 10, you'll have 2 attacks each, which are 4s and 4s. So you're going to have a total of 32 attacks from this unit. And 10 of those um, models also are going to have the Envenom projectiles, which actually don't have any Venom on them, because there's no poison attacks or anything like that. So they're just... Like, it's a weak Venom. It's not a good Venom. Uh, they've got a couple of abilities. Skittering Ascent, when this unit makes a move, it can pass across the train feature in the same manner as a model that can fly. And then also you can return D3 slain Spider Swarms this unit for each Broodmaster in this unit. Now, if this unit had something like a 4-up save, then I really would like the idea of, like, having maybe a unit of 30... Well, not 30, so it'd be 39. Nine of those bases would have been uh, the the spider swarms and maybe to keep returning d3 of them that would have been quite interesting just as a way to tank but ultimately there are 100 points in a book full of 100 point units which don't really do anything so these are not for me but might be for you maybe you're weirdly into spiders i don't know you maybe that's who you are our next unit is the scions of the flames bravery six six of save move six inches there's a unit. There's a there's eight models in the unit, and they only cost eighty points. You have a blazing lord who's the captain. He gets plus one attack and can issue commands. You also have an immolator uh, for one in every eight of models is an immolator. And in the combat phase, uh, at the end of the combat phase, so these guys have to survive. And I really think eight wounds with a six up save is very unlikely to do so. But if they do, um, then on a two plus, this unit suffers D3 mortal wounds when it's within an inch. They have an inferno priest who can change their flame burst pots for engulfing flames, which is D6 attacks, threes and threes, no rend damage one. And the whole unit is equipped with flame burst pots which if you hit with them and they hit on a four they explode into three hits so you make three wound dice so i hit with one i'm going to get to roll three wound dice you'll you'll attack with seven of them so your maximum is going to be 21 they wound on a three they're no rend and they're damage one these don't really have any utility they kind of do some damage the models are insanely good but i just don't really see a point in taking them myself personally the next unit is a unit of spire tyrants and even though they're completely semi-naked they have a four up uh they have a four up armor save unlike the scions of the flame who had a six up armor save while fully armored uh, the spire tyrants 
um, I have a four up save. They come in a unit of nine. They have two special models the Bestigore Destroyer and the Head Claimer, both of whom get to add plus one damage to their melee weapons. They also have a Pit Champion who is a captain in their unit, so can issue commands and get a plus one attack. Uh, they've got a wound each, though, but they're only 80 points. So you're going to have nine wounds on a four up armor save for 80 points. You get to add plus one attack to the. Uh, to the uh, weapons characteristic of this unit if they're within nine inch, wholly within nine inches of a mortal hero. And if they're within three inches of an enemy unit, they do not take Battleshock tests. So actually fairly resilient because they, they aren't going to run away and they've got a six up bravery. Pretty good output because if you're near a mortal hero, then a unit nine of these is going to get, uh, wow, they're going to get 27, 28 attacks of which six of those attacks are going to be damaged too. None of it has rend, very cheap, kind of cool. Um, still, for me, they have real no utility, so probably don't take them. Um, and there you go. Yeah. The next up is the unfortunately named Dark Oath Savages. Uh, they are a 10-man unit, and they're 100 points. They are one wound each with a five-up save. However, however, if you do end up gaining control of an objective previously controlled by your opponent, you complete the oath, the oath of conquest, and you get a five-up ward. So five-up save, five-up ward. Not bad, not bad. They've got two attacks apiece. Uh, they do have a proven, uh, two of uh, two of every ten are a proven, and they get plus one to their damage characteristic. And the Godspeed, uh, sorry, and the Slaughterborn also gets plus one to his damage characteristic and also can issue commands. So three of your ten are going to be damaged two. Two attacks apiece, fours and fours, no rend, damage one. And they've got the death blow ability, which is if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by a Dark Oath weapon is a six, it inflicts a mortal wound in addition. So overall kind of like our splintered fang uh, where we get mortal wounds in addition not very survivable uh, but these guys don't have as many attacks so i guess they kind of trade off with the splinter fang unit in that they're a little bit more survivable especially if they gain control of an objective and they have quite a lot of it like they don't but they don't have as many attacks as the splintered fang so i guess you're kind of choosing between the both which is which is honestly like honestly very interesting on they're both 100 points so you can swap and mix and match i think i currently would go for splintered fang uh, but the dark oath savages really aren't a bad shout especially if you give them marks for extra attacks um if you made the minus one to wound then that would be interesting as well especially if they gained access at five at ward not a bad unit, uh, not a bad unit, but in they're in a book with loads of great units that provide lots of utility. So can they compete with 100 points being invested in a better unit? It's a great question. But yeah, they definitely could see play. Okay, next up, unit, pretty hype, the Chaos Legionnaires. 110 points for 10 of these models. Uh, Chaos Legionnaires are 100 and... 10, no, sorry, for eight of these models. Oh, sad. Okay, so for eight of these models, they've got a four-up save, which is great. I like that for a combat unit. They only move five inches, but they are Bravery 7, which is a little bit higher than some of the other undivided units. They've got a wound each, so you're going to have eight wounds for 110 points. Okay, you've got the Decariac, who's the captain and gets plus one attack to his weapon profile. You have th uh, a Mutandor, <laughs> who's your musician, I think, but he might not be. And he gets plus one to his attacks characteristic. And then you have three Hornhelms, three of every eight, eight are Hornhelms, and they get plus one to the damage characteristic. So I think you get something like, because they've got two attacks each, you get something like six attacks, which are going to be damaged two. And then you have uh, five, you have 10 attacks, uh, sorry, 12 attacks, which are damage one. 
Then you have a couple of special abilities. If you're near Bellacor, uh, then the Devoted of the Dark Creed adds plus one to the wound rolls for attacks made by this unit uh, to units wholly within 12 inches. Uh, so that's on Bellacor. So then they're going to be threes and threes, rend one. So pretty good. And then you've got So Confusion, which is once per turn at the start of any phase, you can say this unit will So Confusion. And if you do so, pick in a unit within six inches of this unit and roll a dice on a four plus, that unit cannot issue or receive commands in that phase. You cannot pick the same unit as the target for this ability more than once in the same phase. Okay. I think that this is an okay unit, very much like all the other units. It's kind of a combat unit that maybe does something. The So Confusion is maybe the reason you would have it. Four-up armor save is nice. Not as many wounds as the others. More expensive than uh, the other ones because they are um, 110 points. Some of those are like are only some of those are 30 points cheaper. And when you're taking multiples of these, that's really going to stack up, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, they're okay. The great minis, uh, like I think the so confusion thing is kind of okay. But you've got so many other debuffs. You've got like. Uh, you've got the unmade for no inspiring presence, no, uh, sorry, no redeploys, no rallies. I mean, that's just cool. Uh, you've got like abilities to make it so that one or two models don't count on objectives. Yeah, it's just, just th these are okay. Like these are okay. Very much like a lot of these, these are okay. And you could definitely use them. Absolutely. Um, but I think that there's like more optimal choices and these aren't, don't even necessarily do fun stuff. I guess the So Confusion thing is fun, especially with Bellacore. Bellacore shut a unit down. Like there's a huge debuff army here, right? Bellacore for shutting stuff down. Uh, then you've got uh, Demon Princes for turning off uh, ward saves. You've got it so that enemy units aren't going to be able to use Inspiring Presence or Rally, uh, not going to be able to use Redeploy. You can make it so that units of one or two won't count for holding objectives. Or sorry, wounds of one or two won't count for holding objectives. You've got the Mind Sealer's Frank, so uh, that you can make units fight last. You've got spells to make stuff fight last. Uh, you've got recycling units. You've got a, like a big debuff army available if you want to build into it, which is genuinely very interesting. Uh, yeah, Chaos Legionnaires, okay is how I would rate them. Okay, so a couple of missing War Scrolls from uh, the review yesterday, and so we can go through all of those now. The first one we're going to start with is the Gaunt Summoner. There are two Gaunt Summoners. Gaunt Summoner on disc, and the Gaunt Summoner on foot. Plod. I guess is what I should say. They are two cast wizards. So if, uh, and they're both two cast wizards. So if you did decide to take them in Kabbalists, as being pointed out in the chat by Shelf Loathing, then you could obviously have uh, a three cast wizard that can cast on 3d6 using the heroic action. So that's pretty good. Um, they both have access to pretty similar rules, so I'll go through them. The only difference between the two is the one on foot is 210 points, has got five wounds on a six-up save, and only moves five inches, whereas the one on the disc is 240 points, which is six wounds on a four-up armor save, and moves 16 inches. So you've got some real mobility in the list. Because it's marked with Zinch, it's going to have access to being able to ignore spells on a six, but also be able to use the teleport spell, which basically can bring units back from where they are somewhere on the board within nine of it. And when you can move 16 inches, that might be really useful, especially when you can double up um, with its silver ported ability, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, its weapon profiles are not really the reason that we want to talk about it. It's a wizard, can be a two cast, it is a two cast, can be a three cast, uh, just by being in a sub faction. 
Um, you could give it an arcane tome, could be three cast. It's got the Book of Profane Secrets, which is two does two great things. One, adds one to the casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls for this unit. So we get plus one, which is great. And in addition, this unit knows all the spells in the Law of the Damned. Now, when you play this in Zinch, it knows all the spells in the Law of Change. So this is really cool because there's loads of good spells that you want to cast from the Law of the Damned. You like there's the strike last spell, which is good, but limited because it's got 12-inch range. You've got the ability to charge. For mounted units only, um, you've got the ability to charge on 3d6 from 18 inches away, which is pretty good. You've got the spell to make it so that you roll on the Eye of the Gods table, which is a great spell, and I think a lot of uh, units are going to use that. Uh, a lot of cat people are going to use that, sorry, uh, in the game. So having access to all of those spells and being able to choose them and cast two spells is really good. 210 points isn't bad. Uh, our Chaos Sorcerer Lord is something we probably want to take already because got a great access to got access a great spell of its own which is plus one hit and plus one to wound um but yeah not too bad um now its other abilities are the lords of the silver towers now this one is an interesting one it's once per battle at the end of the phase uh, at the end of a phase you can pick one enemy hero that's within nine inches of this unit that has made an attack that targeted this unit in that phase or used an ability or a spell that inflicted wounds or mortal wounds on this unit in that phase if you do so, roll 2d6. If the roll is greater than the wounds characteristic of that hero, that hero is removed from play. Importantly, they're not slain. They're removed from play. So if you have the ability to come back from the dead, it's not going to work because you're just taken somewhere else. Okay, so... Uh uh, yes, the hero cannot be returned if you're allowed to bring back slain models. The model has not been slain. They've been sent to the Silver Towers, which is a cool ability. And obviously both of these two models have that. And then you've got the Silvered Portal, which is after you've deployed this unit, when you would set up another friendly Zinch unit uh, that is not a monster, you can say that it is in this Gaunt Summoner Silver Tower as a reserve unit. At the end of any of your movement phases, you can set up one or more of these units on the battlefield, wholly within nine inches of this unit and more than nine inches from all enemy units. So if you wanted to keep some units safe, we talked earlier on about uh, Splintered Fang. We could potentially give Splintered Fang the Zinch keyword, put them inside uh, the Silvered Portal, so inside the Gaunt Summoner, and then the Gaunt Summoner could deploy them on the board and then they could charge. That way you kind of keep them safe from shooting and they're an interesting delivery method for the unit, which is kind of cool. Uh, don't forget they have to interact with Zinch keyword units though. Um, and then you've got the Infernal Flames. I mean, you could also make this guy the Idolater Lord, so they're also then a priest. So they've got to have access to loads of uh, loads of value in one model. And then they've got a spell called Infernal Flames, which is a seven, and it does some mortal wounds, which is fine. Um, uh, so Splinter Fang on Undivided Key Locked. Again, if you take the Idolater keyword, sorry, the Idolater command trait, then whatever keyword your general has because it's the command trait then you are able to give that to cultist units uh, and then they can have those keywords as well which is pretty good yeah so the gaunt summon has got some really interesting utility especially with zinch keyworded units got the ability to potentially wipe uh, a hero out which is quite fun is a caster uh, sorry a two cast wizard and has got access to all of the spells. So you can definitely see a really good, like, a really good argument for why you would take the Gaunt Summoners. And again, it's just another tool in a toolbox army that's got so many options. 
So many options and just great. Yeah, good. Gaunt Summoner is also good. Okay, next up, Dark Oath War Queen. Okay, so she got the Dark Oath keyword and the Undivided. And she's also got the Eye of the Gods. So try and turn her into a Demon Prince if you wish. Four up armor save with six wounds, movement six, and has got a ward save of five plus. So quite survivable for a hundred point model. In addition, every time you roll a six for that ward save, you can pick a unit within three inches and they take a mortal wound. They've got two special rules, the Oath of Supremacy and the Tribal War Leader. The Oath of Supremacy is, at the end of the movement phase, if this unit is wholly within enemy territory, it fulfills its oath. Once this unit fulfills its oath until the end of the battle, if this unit issues the Inspiring Presence command, up to two friendly Dark Oath or Cultist units can receive this command. This is kind of okay, but like, you've got to be in the enemy territory... Your six, uh, your move six character has to be over there. Like I, I, I don't really personally see this. And then you've got the tribal war leader. After this unit has fought in the combat phase for the first time, you can pick a one friendly dark oath unit that has not yet fought in that combat phase. If it's within three inches of an enemy unit and it's wholly within twelve of this unit, it can fight immediately. So this is kind of what you can do with the knights, uh, with the chaos lord on demonic mount or the chaos lord on Karkadrak. But it's dark oath units, so like. Whatever. I'm not particularly hype on the Dark Oath War Queen, I'm afraid. Uh, but she's okay. She's cool. Like, like, uh, like maybe, like, she got four attacks in close combat, threes and threes, rend one, damage two. Like, kind of okay, but, like, yeah. I still don't think she's necessarily the, I mean, she maybe she is the melee character. Like, she's a hundred point melee character at the end of the day, but I just, I mean, this book has got value for days. She needs a real good argument to be in the list. And I don't see it. Next up, the Dark Oath Chieftain coming in 95 points, got a five up save um, and five wounds and move six, has no ward save. So less survivable than our Dark Oath War Queen. Uh, he's got the Death Blow ability, so any attacks with his cursed broadsword um, on a six to hit are going to inflict a mortal wound in addition. Uh, got four attacks, threes and threes, rend one, damage two uh, with his big broadsword. And then his warlord axe is three attacks, threes, threes, no rend, damage one. He's got the oath of murder, though. The first time an enemy hero or monster is slain from wounds from this model, then he's going to get always strikes first, which I feel like he would have needed before he killed the enemy hero. And then you've got the tribal war leader. After this unit is four in the combat phase, then you can make another dark oath unit within range uh, go at the same time. So you could potentially kill an enemy hero, Get all the strikes first, charge in, the Dark Oath unit charge in, strike first, then they strike first as well at the same time. But he's 95 points, he's got a 5 up armor save. The wizard in this army is 120 points and he auto gives a unit a 6 up ward and also has a great spell. Not making it in lists. Okay, so uh, another character is Thedra Skull Scryer. Thedra is a special character and is a wizard. Okay, um, Undivided and Eye of the Gods. So Thedra casts only one spell. However, if Thedra ever casts a spell on a 10+, then for the rest of the battle, she can cast two spells and unbind two spells. Very much like the Lord of Change. Not that we're going to talk about that very much. And then she's got a special spell called Enfeeblement, which is cast on a 6. It's got 12-inch range, and you make an enemy unit minus one to wound, which is a great spell. A great spell. Like, if you weren't taking stuff that's Mark of Nurgle, this is another way to make the enemy minus one to wound, which is just bonkers. Then you've got the Godsworn Hunt, uh, which comes along with Thedra. Thedra and the Godsworn Hunt together is 160 points. There are five models in the Godsworn Hunt, which are two wounds apiece on a six-up armor save. However, if you gain control of an objective previously controlled by your opponent, then they get a five-up ward. 
So they're going to have a five at ward. Now, the Godsworn Hunt can bodyguard for Thedra uh, using the Avowed Kinsman. So on a three up, they're going to basically take wounds for Thedra. This means that Thedra is really tanky as a wizard for 160 points. Thedra is going to be able to have 10 wounds, uh, 10 ablative wounds, and then five wounds for herself. So she's very survivable um, for like, and then obviously can also use the ability to uh, cast on 3d6. So is very likely to get that 10 plus to cast. So Thedra is pretty cool. Great spell on its own. Um, very survivable as a wizard. I quite like, I quite like Thedra. Pretty cool. Okay, next up, the Centurion Marshal. 10 wounds with a 4-up armor save, so not that survivable compared to a lot of our book, which has got 3-up armor saves. Comes in at 145 points and moves 8 inches. He's kind of a melee uh, duelist character uh, with a support role because he's got the Marshal of the Legions. If this unit issues the Rally Command to an undivided mortal unit, then you get to rally on a 5-up as opposed to a six. So if you wanted to take, I don't know, even Chaos Warriors in Undivided for some particular reason, you could be rallying on a five. I know there's also a way to make them rally on a four, but you know what I mean? Like, there's he's got some utility. That's the reason that you would bring him into a list. You've got some Undivided unit for some reason that it's Undivided, and you're like, I want to rally these guys on a five plus quite often. It's kind of interesting if you were to bring the Centurion Marshal into the Ravagers, and if you weren't to give the Ravagers a mark for some reason, um, and you were just to have a unit of like, let's say 30 splintered fang, you could charge them in, they could nearly die, then you could rally them on a five up, and then when they do finally die, then you'll have 15, which you've got access to rally. But yeah, I just don't really, I don't really see it. Like, but maybe, like there's definitely some options, there's definitely some list building tricks in here. And then as to him as a duelist character, he's got two attacks with his Morland Spear, which are, uh, sorry, he's got a two inch range on his Morland Spear with four attacks. Hit on threes, wound on threes, rend one, damage two. Any hits he achieves with his Mauling Spear, then he gets to add those hits to his next uh, profile, which is six attacks, the Skull Bludgeon. Threes and threes, uh, no rend, damage one. He also, um, at the start of the combat phase, can pick an enemy within an inch. And on six, he can make the Always Strikes Last effect apply. However, however, this doesn't work on monsters, and it doesn't work on units with five or more models. So it's got it's very fringe case, and it's a six. Overall, Centurion Marshal is... Definitely a support piece for 145 points that you could use, but I'm not sure. Like, And in a book of, I'm very sure, then you're going to struggle to find a place. But we'll see. Like, I can't wait to see what people's lists are going to be. Okay, our next hero is a special, uh, special unique unit called Zashia Bittersoul. She's a wizard, or he's a wizard, or they're a wizard. Uh, five wounds with a four-up save, and they move five inches. Can cast one spell, unbinds one spell, and then has got access to Oracular Visions, which is uh, the special ability that the Chaos Sorcerer Lord has. And in fact, would make a very cool proxy for a Chaos Sorcerer Lord, uh, where, where you can give a ward save to a Slaves to Darkness uh, mortal unit within 12 inches, and it's a six-up ward save. She does have a special spell called Mask of Darkness, which is cast on a six and a range of 12 inches. And that's where she can cast her special bodyguard unit because she's one of the uh, Underworld's uh, special units. Um, so she's got Kragar's Ravagers. When you buy Zashia, you also get the Ravagers at the same time. They come as a unit for 195 points. That unit is three models and they've got a three up armor save with three wounds apiece. So it's going to be nine wounds on the three up armor save, which is legit. The spell that she can cast... 
um, is you pick up that unit within 12 inches and you can teleport anywhere within 24 inches, nine inches away from the enemy. Uh, that unit has got one model that's got three attacks, threes and threes, run two, damage two, and then six attacks that are threes and threes, run one, damage one. They count as two models on an objective, and they've got a ward save of five plus. I don't think you're going to take this this unit. It's 200 points in a book that's stacked with value for a cast to teleport a very small unit. Just don't really see that happening. But like, it's cool that it's in there. It's fun. It's a great miniature. You might do it. Uh, you might. Which is like, this book is just full of your mites because it's got so many options. So, uh, yeah, uh, very cool. Okay, next up, uh, we're onto the weird and wonderful units. It's kind of the monsters of chaos, not the beasts of chaos. <laughs> That's a completely different book. These are the these are the monsters of chaos. And the first one we're going to look at is the Furies. The Furies come in units of six. They cost 90 points, and they have got a six-up save. They've got two wounds apiece, so you're going to get 12 wounds on a six-up save, but they do move 12 inches. They've got... Uh, a pretty rubbish melee profile, so it's not really worth talking about. The reason that you would take it is that because it it flies, and they've got the sneaky little devils, the sneaky little devils ability, which is in the combat phase when you pick this unit to fight, you can say it will cower instead of fighting, and if you do so, this unit retreats instead of fighting. So you charge in, you activate, and then you retreat away. So it's really great for trying to grab objectives. They can also be battle line in Legion of the First Prince, which is kind of cool. So you can have a unit of nine, but really you're probably taking minimum units of these so that you can charge in and then teleport away across and grab an objective, zone out something. It's quite interesting, but in a book that's maybe got all the tools available, I mean, these are definitely good for that. Like... They are. Like, it's quite cool. Like, what they do will work well. And if that works into your game plan, you should definitely get some of these because that's very, very interesting. This book has got so much utility. You're just like, I would like to be able to maybe grab objectives off you when you're not sit looking where via kind of an activation trick. You'll be like, I was not expecting that. Then you're turning... It's just a great... It's, there's so many options. The unit is another little creature monster from the realms. The Mindstealer Spheranx is kind of a uh, just a cat that just burns its eyeballs into you. It's got 10 wounds with a 5-up save, and it moves 10 inches, and it's only 95 points. So again, 100 points for some sort of utility piece in the army. It did used to have the monster keyword, but it no longer has the monster keyword, so it's not going to count as 5 on an objective. This has got an okay combat profile, 5 attacks, 3s and 3s, rend 1, damage 2. But the reason that you're taking it is for its dominate mind ability, which used to be a really fun mini game that you and your opponent would play. They've taken that away now, which is sad. And now it's got the destruction supremacy uh, ability, which means it's going to work off bravery. Destruction normally has bad bravery, whereas chaos and death has great bravery, as does order. So actually, it just really affects destruction more, uh, which is sad. But it does now work in each combat phase. It's at the start of each combat phase, pick one enemy unit within nine inches of this unit and is visible to it and roll 2d6. If the roll equals or exceeds the bravery characteristic for that enemy unit, the strike last effect applies. You cannot pick the same unit as the target of this ability more than once in the same phase. So it's good into destruction, it's good into low bravery stuff, but it is not going to be good into stuff with high bravery. So you're probably gonna see this less than you used to see it. It's not a monster for grabbing objectives. It doesn't work as well as it did previously, uh, which is a bit of a shame, but uh, it's a great mini. Like, it's another way of getting strike last in the army. It's already, like, some armies don't have any access to it. This has got two ways to do it, via a spell and this, which is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, like, there we go. Okay, our last unit. Our last unit before we get on to endless spells. 
uh, which has been a seven-hour live stream, but edited down for you if you watch this back as a YouTube video or listen to it as a podcast, is the Fomeroid Crusher, a brutish creature from the Lost Age. Has got 10 wounds and a five-up armor save and moves six inches. He's got a shooting profile and a combat profile. Now, the shooting profile is called Hurl Terrain, and it's got a 12-inch range, which gives him effectively an 18-inch range uh, threat range. He's got ten, uh, two attacks, threes and threes, rend one, damage two. However, however, with the Hewn Rocks and Rubble ability, you get to add one to the damage characteristic of this unit's weapons while it's within one inch of any terrain feature. So that would be damage three on his uh, shooting profile. So that would be two shots at damage three at 12 inches, which is like kind of okay. Uh, it's only got round one though, so it's not okay. But like, honestly, that's not bad. And then he's got uh, his, in, in melee, he's got four attacks, threes and threes, no rend for some reason. Uh, and then he's damage two. But again, if he's in terrain, it would be damage three which is kind of okay as well. Um, <laughs> and then he's got the Curse Destroyer's ability. By the way, he costs 100 points. Costs 100 points. Uh, the Curse Destroyer's ability, which is you pick a terrain feature uh, within six inches of this model and roll a dice uh, for each other unit within six inches of that terrain feature and any uh, that garrison it. On a three plus, the unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. In addition, if the terrain feature is some faction terrain, on a three up, you'll destroy it um, uh, and demolish it. Base uh, Like, you'll demolish it. So yeah, like an interesting unit, actually. It's 100 points, so he fits in that category of everything else that's 100 points that does things. He's uh, not that survivable with 10 wounds and a 5 save, but not bad. Like, for 100 points, he's genuinely like, okay. Um, and then he, his Curse Destroyer's ability, the In Your Hero Phase Pick One Terrain feature, uh, within 16 of this model, is stackable. So you could run a lot of these run up to a terrain feature and just blow it up several times and just yeet stuff into the sea, like, which is pretty cool. It's a terrible idea, but it's fun and you could do it and maybe we'd finally see him on the tabletop, which would be cool. So yeah, like, I'm giving this, he goes into meme lists. I'm, going, I'm putting him into meme lists. He's not a behemoth, so you can take more than four Meme list for days. Let's go. Okay, of the endless spells, there are three, and the eightfold Doom Sigil is really great. It's 40 points, which sometimes you just end up with 40 points left over when you're writing your list. So 40 points is already so, so cheap, which is really, really good. Now, what does it do? It's cast on a five, and you set it up within six inches. You keep track of a number of models that are slain within 12 inches of this endless spell uh, each turn. So each turn, and it goes off at the end of each turn as well. And the buff that you get is plus one attack to a unit. Uh, sorry, let's say 10 models are killed within range of this thing. You'd roll 10 dice. And then for each three plus, you could pick one unit and you could give it plus one attack. This doesn't mean that you get to add, um, this doesn't mean you get to add loads of pluses to attack to a single unit. Instead, you can pick multiple units. So let's say I roll five three ups. Then I could pick five of my units wholly within 18 inches of it and then they get plus one to their attack, which is cool. And it lasts until my next hero phase. Um, I think that this is an incredible thing, in my personal opinion. Uh, plus one attack on all of my dudes is great. It's a great buff for 40 points. I love it. I would 100% use this. Uh, I think it's really powerful, um, especially like Mark of Corn. We talked about this before, uh, adding plus one attack to a unit. So then now plus two attacks to a unit. Yeah. 
This is great. I really like the Eightfold Dune Sigil. Really cool. Hello. Okay, so the next up, the Realm Scourge Rupture is 60 points. It's cast on a seven. You set it up within nine inches, and it's predatory, so it moves nine inches as well, and it's going to move nine inches each hero phase or the end of each hero's phase. So it's going to be 18 inches as a threat range on the first turn. It's got the ability debilitating shockwave, which if it moves over any any enemy units, you roll a dice for each unit that moved across on a two plus. They take D3 mortal wounds and you half the movement of that unit. It's not bad. It's got pretty good threat range. Turn one threat range is actually pretty decent, but probably not that interested in this. The half movement will combine really nicely with something like Ravenax dashing jaws because you move the half you move half the move characteristic and then you charge across. But this is an army where you don't really mind them charging towards you because you're probably going to beat them in a fight. Let's be honest. So it's probably not the one I'd take and I'd be more likely to go after the Burning Sigil so far. Also, your army is maybe slightly like low on wizards and you're mainly looking to do some of the really powerful spells either on the War Scrolls or inside uh, the spell law. So yeah, uh, like it's okay. It's definitely great if you want to build into it. If you're taking loads of casters in the caster sub-faction and you're just like, I'm just going to do loads of other spells and loads of spells, it's definitely cool. Uh, so I can definitely see it see in play. Our final spell, Dartfire Demon Rift, is 80 points. It's cast on a seven and you set it up within nine inches of the caster and it moves nine inches because it's a predatory and a spell. If it moves across a unit or ends up within an inch of a unit on a two up, they're going to suffer D3 mortal wounds. If this endless spell is within range of any other endless spells within 12 inches, then you add plus one to how many mortal wounds it does. So if it's near two endless spells, it's going to be D3 plus two on a two up to any units that it passes across or moves. That's kind of interesting, especially if you're building like a Kabbalist list and you want to get a bunch of endless spells and you want to do Ravenax Nashing Jaws along with this and you also want to take the, uh, the, the other spell that we just talked about where it moves up so they're all near each other. You're already going to be adding plus two to it. So it's going to be D3 plus two. So you genuinely could create like a bunch of like mortal wound damage, which is kind of cool. Like I like that. That's really interesting. Give some good range threat for the army. You could be running Kabbalist to try and get a bunch of those spells out, which is also really fun. Uh, yeah, 80 points. 80 points is cool. Like, it's probably not going to see a lot of play, but it might, and you definitely could build a list around it, which is very cool. Let's wrap up. We spent 10 hours, roughly, uh, over two days looking at the Slaves to Darkness book live on Twitch. There's the chat uh, with me. And uh, we've condensed it down and we've looked through every war scroll, every unit. We talked about loads of combos. So what do we think about the book? I think it's a very strong book. It's like coming in at A, might be an S style book. It's got so many combos that it's difficult to keep them all in your head. You've got so much utility in the book in War Scrolls and abilities. You've got so many spells that are going to be effective, so many endless spells that are going to be effective, so many interacting units that are going to be so, so strong. You're going to have to keep track of lots of stuff. You can build a wide variety of lists. You can build meme lists. You can build combat lists um, that are going to be very good. You can build lists that are going to be very offensive, uh, lists that are going to be very defensive. You can build... Um, whole cultist armies you can build uh, very elite armies you can build character heavy armies uh it's just 
a sensational book. There are some clangers in the game in the book, but that's mainly because it's a book of dozens of war scrolls, and you can't just keep giving out different abilities to all the different units. Uh, it does lack shooting. That's one of the things I would say. I keep saying to people, maybe ally and some bliss barb archers to clear screens and stuff. Feels like that's a bit of an issue. Um, but the, the ability to build cultist armies and then those incredibly high armor save, high armor save armies that, you, that we talked about yesterday is just nuts. Like it, it's got the ability to turn off rallies, redeploys, uh, how many counters an objective. It's got the ability to turn off ward saves. It's got teleports. It's got fight lasts. It's amazing. Like, it's an amazing book. It also feels like an older book. Like, as a kind of a review. It feels like a, an older book. It's got some, like, wordage where you're like, well, it's definitely lifted from stuff in the past. Um, you are going to see loads of different play styles. What I like is that I think you're going to see a lot of people run to the 4-Up Rally sub-faction. And whether or not that gets nerfed or doesn't get nerfed, I think there's also counterplay into that immediately. We know that there's loads of options inside this book to turn off Rally. So then as soon as that happens, that sub-faction kind of, like, it immediately kills itself as a book. And I don't know if that was intentional by design. And if it was, I actually think that's really cool for it as a book. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think it's great. Like, I think you're going to have loads of fun collecting and building armies playing with this, if that's what you do. Uh, yeah. And if you ever want to join us on one of these crusades to read through books on Twitch, I'm live Monday through to Friday. Uh, sometimes also, uh, well, hopefully in the future, live every Sunday as well, where we're going to do Objective Zone, where we cover live AOS events, which is super cool. You go check them out on the T-Sports uh, network. Um, if you've enjoyed this, please do... Do support the show by joining Patreon or liking, subscribing, commenting, sharing it with your friends. Any of those things would be great. Uh, and I would really appreciate that. Thanks very much. As always, my thanks to my favorite people ever, the Twitch chat. Thanks for supporting me through the past couple of days. You've been brilliant. Loads of love to you. And uh, I'll see you guys next time.